to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. The most painful part of your story may very well be the most life-giving part of someone else's. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, I am so glad that you are joining us for this week's episode. Now let me ask you, have you checked out the Rising Above app lately? You know, we have so many amazing resources for your family there including a brand new respite for your mind. So if you haven't checked out the app in a while, be sure to go and do so. I know you will find so many things to encourage you as you raise your amazing children with special needs. Now, my guest today is Allie Finnegan, and Allie is a stay-at-home mom and wife to Brian. They have two children, Hadley, who is four, and two-year-old Cameron. Hadley has a rare genetic disorder called Williams Syndrome, And Allie loves sharing the raw and real realities of their journey. And she hopes to increase understanding and awareness of Williams Syndrome. You will love hearing Allie's heart in this episode. So here's the conversation I had with Allie Finnegan. Hey, Allie, thanks so much for joining us today. I am excited to meet you and know more about you and your story. So thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, I know that you have a four-year-old daughter and she has a rare genetic disorder. So tell us a little bit about your daughter and about her diagnosis. Yeah, so her name is Hadley. She'll actually be four next Monday. And so she has something called Williams Syndrome. And Williams Syndrome is a rare genetic disorder that affects around one in 10,000 people worldwide. Um, It's a spontaneous deletion on chromosome number seven. It's between... 24, 26 and 28 genes on that chromosome. And so it can affect uh, different things like cardiovascular disease, um, thyroid, we have to look out for her eyes. It affects a ton of the body. And then it also comes with mild to moderate intellectual disability. So how did you discover this? So my pregnancy was pretty challenging the whole way through. And she was a preemie. She was born seven weeks early. Um, she had a stroke in utero as well. And so from the beginning, we really were just unclear for future. But all the random genetic, well, I guess not random, all the basic genetic testing came back normal. And so we really didn't know what was going on besides um, the prematurity and the stroke. And so once we hit a year old, our neurologist recommended some genetic testing because we thought she would be further along than she was. And so she actually got a micro array done and um, that opens up your entire DNA. And that's when we found the Williams syndrome. And it's funny because I actually found out the day uh, before I was supposed to give birth to my second child. Oh my goodness. And so the doctor was like, do you want to reschedule You know, the appointment? It was during uh, COVID. So we had to do a Zoom meeting. And so she knew like my emotions, but I was just so... I knew something had come back because they mm-hmm. wanted to talk to me. And so I was like, no, I need to know now. And so we found out the day before giving birth. And so we really didn't have much time to grieve, maybe 24 hours or less. And then we mm-hmm. kind of thought, okay, we need to get in this mindset of giving birth the next day and being happy and, you know, celebrating. So oh that was definitely goodness. an interesting timing. Wow. And so did, had you ever heard of Williams syndrome at the time or was this totally new to you? Gosh, no, I had never heard of it ever. Um, 
And of, of course, also the doctor knew about, you know, postpartum hormones and said, Hey, you know what, put this on the back burner. Don't Google anything for about four weeks. Mm. She thought, you know, I could just not think about it. But of course, what did I do? You know, I went on yeah. Google right away. I looked at all the literature on it. Um, and you know, you see the pictures, the drawings that they do, um, mm-hmm. because William syndrome has certain features, um, fa- facial features. And I do remember coming across an article that first day and just weeping because one of the articles compared William syndrome to, um, the Shakespearean times like elves. Mm. Um, and just the way they looked in their personality, because their personality is very joyous um, and smiley and they want to make people laugh. And so I just remember thinking, well, I know that anyone wants their child to be called smart, you know, mm-hmm. um, beautiful, but they don't want your child to be called an elf or compared mm-hmm. to an elf. And mm-hmm. so, gosh, that that first research for me was really, really tough. Wow. And then you go into have, giving birth the next day to mm-hmm. to your second child. And yes. I know you, you shared a little bit about that you really struggled with postpartum depression. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that and how you processed through that journey. Yeah, so I think starting with the stroke, it was just, you know, it was that was my first child, first pregnancy. And I I felt like I did all the right things. You know, I prayed every day. I prayed for her development and everything. And none of it just went as planned. And so my anxiety that I've kind of always had really just magnified um, because it was out of my control completely. And then NICU, just all the sounds, all the, um, you know, other babies in the NICU around me that some didn't make it. And, and just being in that every day for almost seven weeks we were there was just, so tough. And I also had severe preeclampsia. So I was very sick myself mm. and the health anxiety that came with that um, was tough. I remember the chaplain coming into the NICU, our room, and she asked about Hadley and um, which I obviously loved, but she didn't ask about me. And I just mm. remember feeling selfish in that moment for bringing myself up, but also feeling like I was drowning. And after she left, I was like, I, gosh, I wish she would have prayed for me. I need prayer. I'm drowning Mm -hmm. over here. I don't Mm -hmm. know what to do. Um, and it wasn't until I think also I, during that time, I really pushed God away and I was angry at him, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to admit it. I just didn't talk to him. I didn't express my feelings. I was trying to get through it by myself. Mm -hmm. And I think the one time Um, I was randomly in the shower, you know, you have like all your thoughts there. And I just broke down crying and said, God, I'm so angry at you. Like, I hate you for this. Mm -hmm. And I've never been honest like that with God because I didn't grow up talking to him like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying, Allie, I know, like, I can handle your fears. I can Mm -hmm. handle your doubts. Talk to me. And that was a big turning point Mm -hmm. kind of in my journey there. Yeah. And many parents have had that same you know, that same, those feelings of being so angry and so mad and trying to process through. And, you know, that's, that's that power of lamenting and and giving it to God and he can't handle it. And Mm -hmm. and how sweet for him to speak back and say, you know, I can, I can handle it. It's going to, you know, it's going to be okay. And so what got you through that season? Well, that season was hard. And I think because of the fact that I was struggling in my faith to begin with. And we were also new to Woodstock where we live and we didn't have 
um, a church community. We went to a very large church and we weren't plugged in just yet. And so we really only had, we had family and friends that lived far away, but we had no one right there. And so the church that we go to now is incredible. And I just, I always think back, if we would have had the people that we have now during that time, Mm -hmm. wow, would that have been such a game changer? Because those are the people that are keeping our head above water. Mm -hmm. And so the main thing, because I didn't have that, I went to a maternal health um, and perinatal therapist um, who was faith-based and she really helped me kind of process, write down my birth story um, Mm -hmm. and just talk about it and get the help I needed at that point. Yeah. And so what would have been the biggest help for you? You know, I know you mentioned church family. Mm -hmm. What would have been, what did you, what did you need in that, that moment? I think just pointing back to scripture and God's truth and what God God says about me and what God says about people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, Because now that I'm reading, there's so much, you know, in the Bible about that. And the people that we have now that send me an encouraging text during a doctor appointment or before a surgery or that bring a meal over or that, um, you know, just come up to me, you know, after I shared something at church and just encourage me. Mm-hmm. It just really keeps you going and knowing that people are in your corner and that they're steering you in the right direction yeah. um, is is crucial. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing what... It, what a change it can make when you get that text right at the right moment or someone mm-hmm. says just the right thing um, when you're low and how that can totally just change how you're feeling in that day. And it's, just a, it's a good reminder for me that when I get that oh, nudge yeah. to reach out to someone to do that, because you just never know, you know, what's going on with them in their life. So I'm pretty new to Williams syndrome. So Tell me about how it impacts your daughter's day in, day out life and what it looks like for her today. So she, I always say, is busier than I am. I am like her little assistant. Um, She goes to our local (laughs) uh, special needs pre-K at the local elementary school five days a week for three hours a day, around three hours. And then she has therapy at school and then she has therapy three times a week at home. Um, She has seven different specialists not including her pediatrician. And so doctor's appointments, checkups, she just had eye surgery. And so she really is a busy little girl. And Mm -hmm. um, I have to remind myself that I need to connect with her on other areas besides therapy and doctor appointments. But our lives are filled, you know, with that. But she she loves music. She loves music class. Mm -hmm. She loves going to the store and saying hey to people. She's so outgoing and she makes people laugh and... People are her thing. Mm. She loves to be around people. Yeah. I remember so, you know, when I was at the stage where you are in this special needs journey and I had made lesson plans for my son. I did things, you know, for him to, even though he was two years old, you know, and so I think it's so easy to, to do, you know, all the therapies and all the things, but you're right. Like realizing, no, we need to just have fun and we need to, Mm -hmm. to play and all those things. It's hard when there's so, when you have that many specialists and that many appointments, it's hard to do. So I'm glad that you're realizing that that's an important piece of what you need to do to to make your life full with her. So that's great. So how does it impact your family? I know, you know, when the how you're able to go to church, how you're able to do life, how does it impact your family story? So it does affect everything we do. Um, I think that 
outings are harder for her. And so we've learned the tools now that, you know, how, what she can handle and what kind of skills and um, toys or people we need with us uh, to make her outing as, um, as joyful as possible. But we really try to include her in everything we can. We don't, you know, leave her home, for example, if, you know, we're worried about what'll happen because um, we want to expose her to different things. And our church has been incredible about inclusiveness and being with her peers and just thriving in that way. Mm-hmm. And so it does affect our our whole life, but she really just brings such a joy that we wouldn't have had before if we didn't yeah, have Hadley. That's so sweet. So what is it about her that you know, a lot of people may not see, they may see her and maybe see her disabilities, but what is it about her that you cherish the most? So when I um, think about what I cherish about her is her outwardness, uh, you know, people see really all that she is because she's so outwardly happy and laughing and smiling. And I'm so glad that she brings that light to people and to the world. And when I think about what I cherish, um, every night I'm still able to rock her like a, kind of like mm, a little baby. Yeah, um, she does have hypotonia. And so she is not as strong as other kids her age. And so mm-hmm. I love it. I know that won't last forever for her, but I'm able to rock her, put it, you know, she nuzzles, nuzzles mm. into me like a little baby still. And we get to look in each Sweet. other's eyes and you know, I sing twinkle, twinkle, little star. And I just, I love that because that same chair almost four years ago when she was in the NICU every night, I came home by myself and Mm. she wasn't with me. And so I won't take that for granted ever just having her in my arms every night. Beautiful. So sweet. And, and I love that, you know, that that when, when they're older and they still want to want to snuggle in love and what a gift, what a gift that is. And, you know, so often, you know, God prepares us along the way. To, for this journey, even though we have no idea what's coming, but God is setting things up and preparing us even before this becomes part of our story. So how did God prepare you to be ready in a, in a sense before your daughter was even born? It is mind-blowing to look back at the way God has weaved my story to make it how um, or to where I am now. I have moved around a lot with my husband because he's in the construction industry. And so I've done a ton of different jobs and I started um, in a leasing office, leasing apartments. And I remember this lady, I was helping find an apartment. She was in a teaching program in Texas and she was getting her teaching degree. And so long story short, I decided to go get my teaching degree and became a teacher. And I sat in IEP meetings Mm -hmm. and which I had no clue what those were before. And I, spoke every day to fourth graders and honed in on my speaking skills. And then, you know, moving to Georgia, I wasn't a teacher anymore, but our pastor asked me to speak on stage with my husband about our experience in a small, a small group or a life group as we call them. And then he came to me after and said, Hey, you kind of have some good stage presence. Would you be interested in doing the announcements? And then that turned into doing a full-blown sermon, and I've shared Hadley's story or parts of Hadley's story um, now around three, I think three times. And that's such a God thing because I got a D in public speaking (laughs) in college. And I think about the characteristics that God has given me, like being outspoken and being really into right and wrong and 
those things that I would have never thought that I would use in this Mm -hmm. way. And now God has given me a unique position as a special needs mom. And it's so amazing to see that he knew the steps of my path the moment he knit me in Mm -hmm. my own mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And now just looking back on all of those things. um, And now I sit in my daughter's IEP meetings and I know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to share her story because I'm comfortable um, or more comfortable speaking about it. And I think people think when they have a child with a disability is that, oh, wow, like this is really you know, my path is not supposed to go this way. This is not mm-hmm. what I planned, but, and I thought the same thing, but now I know that everything I've done up to this point is because I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited to see um, where it leads me next. But I'm, I'm so thankful for the, all those experience and the mm-hmm. characteristics and the honing of my character that God has done that I feel like the Holy Spirit has just chipped away at all, all the things that are not serving me as my purpose, mm. Mm. um, as being a mom yeah. of a child with a disability. So good. So good. And, you know, through this process, you know, we all learn things about ourselves, you know, things that we never dreamed maybe that we could do or things that are surprising about ourselves. Uh, what are some of the things you've learned about yourself on this journey these past few years? Well, the biggest one I think is how uneducated I was about disabilities and the mm. world's disability because yeah. I didn't have any close or I don't have any close family um, before this members or friends um, and just how far, you know, the world of disability has come and how far we need to go um, and just the injustices that I've seen. That is something that I'm trying to work on that mm. I've really noticed. And then also that my life, is not her life that I've learned. Um, I had this perspective of what a successful life meant before I had her. Mm-hmm. And that included worldly things like right. career, um, success. Mm-hmm. And I was so skewed. My reality was so skewed of what that was. And now I realized how superficial I was in that area. Mm-hmm. And now I know what God says. And that's not, you know, none of yeah. those things equal a successful life. And my mm-hmm. daughter doesn't have to, you know, go to college to be successful or to have a job to be successful or drive mm-hmm. a car to be successful or get married, be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really hard thing for me to accept that you may not be a mom and that's what gives me the most joy in life. But her life is not my mm-hmm. life and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And did that bring you some peace when you got to that place? of trying to not control that story. So much peace that she was made uniquely, just like I'm made uniquely. Mm-hmm. And I've already seen such glory displayed through her, like the scripture mm-hmm. says. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't change her life, you know, for anything. William yeah. syndrome, she wouldn't be Hadley without William syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that she's, loving her life and happy exactly where she is. Yeah. She's living living her best life yes. and, and doing, yes. So, so great. Now, before we hit record, you were telling me mm-hmm. about that you guys are getting ready to move. Like yes. you're moving, not just moving to another house, but you're, you're moving to a whole nother town, another, mm-hmm. another city. And so tell us about that and kind of how you're feeling about this upcoming change, especially it sounds like you've got a really great church and, mm-hmm. you know, things in place therapy wise. So how, how's that feeling, mom? <laughs> that, that would oh, be a tough one. Yeah. This is going to be a hard transition. I'm not going to lie. Um, she's had the same 
Um, she's had the same PT and speech therapist since she was a baby, since mm-hmm. pretty much out of the NICU and the other ones for a very long time as well. We love her school. And so that was a huge decision when going there. Um, but it's crazy that the God, the God winks, I call him, that we've seen so far, um, you know, her, our current pediatrician randomly knows uh, a sorority sister's husband who was also a pediatrician and recommended him without me even realizing that's connected and just different things like that. Um, it is hard though, because our Williams syndrome community here where we live, we know Williams syndrome families and we've gotten to get together with them and you just feel so at home and at peace and you don't feel like you have to be anyone you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're hoping to plug in, you know, in our new town, and find, even if it's not Williams syndrome, people with Williams syndrome or families, but just families with, with kids or adults with disabilities, mm-hmm. it's just a strong connection, even if you haven't known them for very long. Right. And so we're just expectant that God will lead us to the right, the right church and the right mm-hmm. school and the right therapist. And it's definitely scary, but Hadley loves the beach and we're moving too close to the beach mm-hmm. and she loves boats. She loves yelling boat you know, when she sees the water. And so I think that her and our whole family uh, will be really happy. That's so, so great. I'm a little jealous <laughs> to be that close to the ocean, to the beach and all that. But, and that's great that she enjoys that. What a gift that is. Yes. Yes. And she used to hate it mm. when she was a baby. We first brought her to the beach and she screamed and screamed. And over time that we've taken her, um, she has fallen in love with it, which is uh, such a gift. And now the last time we went, we took family pictures and you see her face light up in the pictures. And so that was so cool to see, knowing that we're going to be moving there. Yeah. What a gift. Now out of her life, you have created something called Hadley's Hive. So tell me about Hadley's Hive and what, what is it? What is Hadley's Hive? So it's really just the support system of family, friends, therapists, um, doctors around Hadley. And around two years ago in May, which is Williams Syndrome Awareness Month, we wanted to do something to first raise money because uh, for the Williams Syndrome Association because research is so crucial with the syndrome because it's rare and we're still learning so much about it. And just for the educational purposes of how do they learn best with reading or you know, how do they do best in a certain classroom type? And why do they need cardiac anesthesiology during a surgery and things like that? And so we wanted to do that, but also we wanted Hadley to look back and see the people um, around her supporting her and loving her. And so we started with t-shirts and they just have a little B on them and they say Hadley's Hive. And we added this past year, the word be kind. And we just wanted that to be kind of the motto of, being kind to people that may be different than you are. And we've ended up raising since we started around $10,000 for the Williams Syndrome Association. And so as far as the future goes with that, we're honestly not sure, but we see a calling um, to do something big. Mm. And to be honest, we're in the trenches of toddlerhood right now with both of our girls. And so t-shirts is kind of all we've been doing right now, but We've gotten such great feedback of, you know, people saying, oh, people have asked me, what is this? And then I tell them about Williams syndrome mm-hmm. and uh, we love the awareness that comes yeah. with that. And so, again, we don't know what that's going to look like, but we would love to kind of expand on that mm-hmm. as she gets older and just keep that, keep that going. And that yeah. motto of being kind. 
So great. And I, I did, I went online and I looked and saw some of your shirts and some of the things Aww. that you had created. And I know that you have had great support. It sounds just from us talking, you know, family coming alongside, friends coming alongside. What are some ways that people have come alongside your family and helped you from diagnosis then having, you know, your second child and, you know, with the upcoming move? So starting from the NICU days, you know, our family doesn't all live here and they were so generous. And my mom, you know, went with me to the NICU every single day for five weeks. My husband had to go back to work and everything from our church and bringing meals and encouragement and prayer. Um, Also the William syndrome community that we were introduced to, there's two families that are really local that randomly her speech therapist had a William uh, child with William syndrome. And then our doctor randomly, the practice had one other child uh, with William syndrome. And so I got to talk to both of those moms early on and that was so encouraging to me to hear their story as I was pretty, especially when I was new to the diagnosis and felt like there was no way forward that they encouraged me and, you know, told me about the light on the other side of the tunnel. And I just think during those times when we didn't always have family nearby, putting ourselves out there too was so important Mm -hmm. and asking for help because people don't always know how to help you and they don't know what to say or what to do. But you know, whether it be a teenager at our church asking to babysit so me and my husband can get away from a night or just inviting other families over for dinner. Yeah. Um, if we didn't feel like going out, you know, mm-hmm. we felt stressed about leaving the house with Hadley and things like that. So we've just had incredible people come into our life that have accepted our family, uh, how we are and help us, like I said earlier, our, keep our heads above water mm-hmm. during times of, of challenging yeah. um, days. So great. So, Allie, what are some ways that you rise above your circumstances and that you have found joy in your story? I saw this on Instagram, so I can't take credit for it, but I love, his name is Ian Simpkins, and he said, the most painful part of your story may very well be the most life-giving part of someone else's. Mm. And I've had that be so true for me. Yeah, Being able to share my story really brings me joy. Um, whether I'm posting something on Instagram or Facebook and it's a vulnerable post and sometimes I get nervous, but every time I do it, someone reaches out to me and says, thank you. I needed to hear that. Or, um, I'm going to send this to someone that may need to hear this. Um, I think we all have a story to tell. And I also loved when I read this, it says, don't tell your story. So people will like you tell it because there are people like you. Mm, That's good. And I find joy in sharing my stories with others in hopes to encourage them make them think, um, educate them because Hadley's life is something to be celebrated. And I just want people to see that and for people to see the value of an individual with a disability and that God all loves us the same. And I think there's so much to learn from that. So beautiful. Well, Allie, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I've enjoyed getting to meet you and you you have a presence on Instagram. I think you're mostly are you mostly on Instagram, and so if people want to yes. follow you. Tell tell us tell people where they can follow you. So my Instagram is just at Allie Finnegan, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> you want to see my raw and realness of being a special needs parent? There you go. Well, we'll add the link to the show notes so people can find it easily. And again, it was a joy to get to meet you. So thank you so much for your time today. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. 
to learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.